Hello and welcome. I'm Dr. Kenitra Bryant, and today's motivational aim targets stop syllabus manipulation. I want to thank you for tuning into this series I'm covering entitled the Syllabus for Life's Course. If you haven't already, feel free to listen to parts one through three of this series to catch up. I'm jumping right on in with the motivational aim, stop syllabus manipulation. And this is a continuation of part three. In part three, I covered staying within the syllabus scope and the importance of following God's syllabus. Whenever we don't follow God's syllabus, there is always a consequence associated with our disobedience and failure to do what he's commanded us to do. Now, what is manipulation? When a person is exercising manipulation, they are manipulating. They are changing or controlling someone or something to their own advantage. They are manipulating in an unfair manner and they are operating in dishonesty. So when you hear me say stop syllabus manipulation, I'm referring to a student enrolled in life's course trying to change or control someone or something. And in most cases, they're trying to control God or they're trying to control the man or woman God sent to them. They're trying to control that person or those things they're supposed to do so they can make things go in a way that has nothing to do with what God told them to do. And they're operating in dishonesty. They're dishonest in their actions. They're prideful, selfish, and they're only aiming to make things work apart from God towards their own agenda and their own advantage. And some of you have dealt with people who manipulate individuals left and right. And some of you probably have encountered people who tried to manipulate you and it didn't work. And when those manipulators' efforts did not succeed with you, it most likely caused them to despise you. And they only despised you because they couldn't change you or control you to work towards or play into their agenda. Manipulators can be found in nearly everything, everywhere, every circle. Why? Because most or many manipulators don't want to follow rules. They don't want to follow requirements. They don't want to adhere to procedures. They don't want to go through the process. They don't want to do that. No, they rather try to change things that are already established to work for them, but they want to change the policy, change the rule, change the requirement so they can achieve the benefit without doing the work associated with it. You see this in a classroom setting. You see it at work. You see it in families. There are some parents, siblings, spouses, grandparents who don't want to follow what God tells them to do as a member of that family. They don't want to exercise the role God gave them. No, they rather tear up the family, tear up the house, create and cause division and chaos, cause problems, and pretend that they want to work on the relationships in the household. They want to work out the relationship between parent and child. They want to work out the marriage. They want to work out the relationship between grandparent and grandchild. They want to work on the relationship between the siblings. They want to work out the relationship between being a relative in that family tribe or that family unit. They're pretending. They're only pretending to manipulate a situation to get a result. But when you look at the assignments God gave them to submit and complete as it relates to the syllabus for their life's course, they do not do it. They do not complete those assignments, but they want to A as it relates to all the benefits associated with a strong family unit. And they mostly do this because they want to promote their agenda. And 
normally they don't even know what their agenda is because they really don't have an agenda apart from God. Their agenda is disobeying God. That's their agenda. But when you ask them, what is your agenda? What do you want to do? What is it that you want? They're not going to say, I want to disobey God and get away with it. They're not going to say that. They're just going to skate and skirt and tiptoe around the issue or just create hell in the household or hell in the relational unit. They're going to just create hell, chaos, confusion, distractions, because they want to do what they want to do. But they still want to receive those blessings from God. They want the blessings, they want the favor, they want the covering, but they refuse to do the assignments God has given them and God has outlined in his syllabus. And one thing about manipulators, there's nothing you can really give them for them to get on the right path. They're going to do what they want to do until they repent and turn away from that behavior. You can't purchase anything to make them stop. You can buy everything this world has to offer. Not realizing they manipulated you into doing that. You purchase everything and they'll still want to go against God's syllabus and disrespect you. They'll still not do what God told them to do. They're not satisfied. They're they're never satisfied. You could try to give them words of affirmation, encourage them, show them that they mean something to you. They do not care because their agenda is going against God. That's why they're not satisfied. And they're not supposed to be satisfied. They're not supposed to be happy. They're supposed to go through pains until they get on track and follow God's syllabus. It's not designed for them to be happy. So anything you're trying to do, or not you, somebody else we're talking about, anything that person is trying to do to make that person happy who's a manipulator, who is a chaos creator, it's not going to work. They're not happy because they're not doing what God told them to do. So they need to be mad. Uh, But let me get back on target because I'm supposed to be focusing on God's syllabus and comparing it to an academic syllabus. So I want to share how a syllabus can be given to a student. The student actually sits in class listening to the do's and don'ts of the syllabus. They listen to the requirements of the syllabus. And instead of doing what the syllabus states, they start thinking of ways on how they can manipulate the syllabus to work for them. Now, although I'm focusing on an academic syllabus and I'm using educational examples to parallel the syllabus for our life's course with God, these examples or any revelation that you get can be applied to any area and aspect of your life where a person is not following the do's and don'ts outlined in God's syllabus. They're not listening to the requirements stated and they're not doing what they're supposed to do. But back to this student. The student is in class, not listening. They hear the do's and don'ts. They receive the syllabus. They sign the syllabus contract. And they go through the syllabus on purpose, trying to alter the words and the phrases of the syllabus to work for them. And the only reason that they are going through this syllabus line by line trying to find loopholes is because they don't want to do what the teacher states. They don't want to do what the syllabus says. They're trying to find an out. What can they do to get what they want instead of doing what is required? Can I change this up? Can I question this? Can I challenge this? Because I really don't want to do this. And isn't that something? God gives us a syllabus to follow, and there are some individuals who make it their aim. I'm talking about they make it their aim to try to manipulate their syllabus. Although the syllabus is established, and God is not changing his word and plan for nobody, for anyone, but individuals still think 
that they can get through the course of life by not following God's syllabus. They really think they can go against God's word. They can go against God's syllabus. They feel like and they really think they can go around the syllabus to get what they want, do what they want, and they'll still yield fruitful, prosperous results. It will not work. The creation can tell the creator what to do and how to do it. When the creator established everything from the jump, from the beginning, it doesn't work like that at all. If someone's life's course requires them to forgive someone, there is no way that individual can manipulate the syllabus to matriculate to the next phase of life without doing what that syllabus says to do. If someone's life course requires them to repent and turn away from a way or a thought or a lifestyle that they're living, that person will not be able to advance in life's course until they do what that syllabus says to do. They have to complete the assignment. That is how God designed it. There's no going around it. There's no going over it. There's no going under it. There's no tearing it up and thinking you can put it back together and you're on the other side. It doesn't work like that. In Proverbs, the 21st chapter, in the 30th verse, it states, There is no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can succeed against the Lord. God is letting us know right there in that promise that his syllabus cannot be manipulated. His syllabus. No man's wisdom can manipulate God's syllabus. No man's insight can manipulate God's syllabus. No man's plan can manipulate God's syllabus. No plan of manipulation can succeed against the Lord. No plan of manipulation can succeed against God's syllabus and God's word. It's right there. Let me read it again. It says, there is no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can succeed against the Lord. It's right there in the syllabus. Right there. But sadly, there are many people who try it. They try to manipulate God's word. They try to manipulate the syllabus. They try to manipulate the policy. They try to manipulate the procedures. They try to manipulate people. They just try it. Let me give you an example in the academic setting. Now, I heard this story several times over and over, and I always heard the developments of this story. And when I heard the developments of this story, I was, man, that's crazy. That's crazy. So my sister said I have her permission to tell this experience of hers. And that is what I'm going to do because it is fitting for this motivational aim. Stop syllabus manipulation. Okay. This incident occurred several years ago when my sister was an undergrad student. She was in her major area of study, taking all of those major level courses. And when you take courses geared towards your major, for those who don't know, depending on the class size or the individuals enrolled at that particular time working on that similar major or within that same college, you just might take several classes with the same students over and over again until you graduate. So naturally, my sister was enrolled in her major, and she took classes with the same people. Now, she was telling me this, as I stated earlier, she was telling me this in real time, several years ago. But there was a student in the class, or in those classes that she took, but there was one particular student, he was in his mid-20s, and she said in every class that she had with him every semester up until the point when she graduated, this boy in class would not follow the syllabus in each class at all. He would not do it. And I quote, Nitra 
that boy would never do what he was supposed to do. (laughs) Now, some of you might ask, well, if he didn't follow the syllabus, how was he able to take other courses in that major area of study? How did he matriculate? How did he go on? Well, let me go ahead and tell you. So these are the things my sister said the boy would do. Number one, we already know he did not follow the syllabus. What he would do was come to class, sit in the class, and when the professor would go over a particular subject, he would be doing something totally different. For example, my sister told me that it was a computer lab course they were taking, and the professor had the class working on some software. Now, the students had their computers open. They're going over the software step-by-step with the instructor. So the instructor would show them something probably on the master screen, and the students followed the instructions of the professor as they worked on this software together. Now, within this software, They were going through the steps of building or designing a model of something in that software program. Now, the boy who did not follow the syllabus, he would have his computer up. He would have his computer on. And he would have the program open. But instead of following along with the professor's in-class tutorial and instructions, He would instead download finished 3D models from the internet. So what was going on was the professor was showing the class through a tutorial on how to build a 3D model using the course required software. And instead of the boy following along with the tutorial on how to do something the right way, he would go online, find a 3D file of an object, download it, and it was a object that the teacher wasn't even going over okay she said that the teacher was going over a practice model of basic shapes and what the boy would do is go online download a 3d model of a phone and then manipulate the 3d model as if he constructed it and then he would manipulate the downloaded files colors and specifications as if it was a designer's original from him. So, in those interactions in class, the boy would not follow the syllabus and he would not follow the teacher's instructions at all. She said this happened time and time again. And for those who are having a difficult time comprehending the example that I just stated what the boy was doing, when he wasn't following the examples that the teacher provided utilizing the software with the basic shapes and the 3D models. My sister said it is comparable to someone teaching someone how to construct a telephone using tin cans and a string. And instead of following those instructions with those materials, with the tin cans and the string, the boy would go purchase a cell phone instead and then he'd take the cell phone out of the box hand paint it a different color and then he would go take that phone that he purchased and painted and present it to the class as if he engineered the entire phone microchip sim card and all that is what he would do in class with every assignment She said he would do what he wanted to do, the way he wanted to do it. Now, the professor, as I mentioned earlier, he would show the students how to construct these models. He would show them how to construct this tin can phone. The teacher went through the steps, step by step, asked the students if they had any questions or concerns, advise the students on how to do something to enhance it. But when it was time to be tested on the construction of the tin can phone, the boy could not put string in the can. 
And then he would lie. And he would say he didn't know that the syllabus stated that he had to use tin cans and string. He lied saying the teacher never told him about the test. The teacher never stated that in the syllabus. He would lie and say, I don't know anything about tin cans or string. Not one time did the teacher show me how to build a phone with tin cans and string. He would just tell lies. My sister said that when he was corrected and he was addressed on his lies and his lack of performance, the boy would start hollering and then he'd tell the teacher, I don't like your tone. I don't like the way you're talking to me. (laughs) You see how people do when they don't follow instructions and they are checked on their lack of following instructions and doing what they're supposed to do? (sighs) Another thing the boy would do, my sister said that he would leave class for long periods of time. She told me that she started noticing the boy leaving class and she was thinking, man, this boy always has to go to the restroom and he is in the restroom for a minute. And she said one day she noticed he left class and she was thinking, man, he might have something going on because he's been in that restroom for a while. And she timed it. She said he was going to the point of embarrassment come to find out other people in class thought the same thing and when the boy walked in class people asked him hey man you all right referring to his extended bathroom stay and he said yeah why'd you ask and they said yeah you were going for a long time man we just want to make sure you all right and the boy responded yeah I was eating lunch with my mom she brought burgers my sister said she, she was done at that point when she heard that She said, this boy spent one hour and 30 minutes out of a three-hour course eating burgers with his mama. They didn't go to a burger spot. No, the mama brought burgers to the boy. During the course, he was failing. You see how people can mess you up in life's course, bringing you stuff you don't need at that particular time? No, some people need discipline, not burgers. Now, going back to that issue with the boy downloading models that he had no business accessing in class, what the boy would do, she said, is he would show off in front of other people in other departments who shared some of the same classes with that major, and the boy would make it appear to those students as if he was the expert in 3D modeling. The bad thing about this was people thought he was the expert in 3D modeling. They thought he was knowledgeable. And my sister said she would look at him and think, oh, this boy is wrong. She was baffled because the other students didn't know he was a failure. He was disobedient. He was not qualified to teach anything because he was not the instructor. He did not pay attention but he made himself appear to be an authority and a tutor for students in other departments who didn't share as many classes with him as my sister did. So these students would come to him thinking they were seeking wise counsel, and this boy was a D and F student. And I know somebody's thinking, now how in the heck did this boy take these classes? Well, my sister said one classmate shared with her that that boy's mama would come to the school and have full-on cursing matches with the professors because her son was failing classes. Now, this is the same mama who was bringing her son burgers, and he didn't leave class just that one time for the hour and 30 minutes to go eat burgers with his mama. My sister said he did that on a continuous basis. That's what he did. His mama knew the boy had class. But the boy would run to his mama, complain that he was failing. 
Most likely when people are manipulators, they say anything to get their way. So he could have, not sure, this is not a fact, but just knowing human behavior, we can deduce that he most likely, possibly, told his mama a lie about the instructor. The teacher never gave me that. I never seen a syllabus. I just don't know what that is. The mama comes up to school and she's cursing professors out because her son was failing. Oh, and the professors messed up because they shouldn't allow that to go on. They should have shut the mama down, shut the son down. But something happened where the professors acquiesced to something. They let something go by. They didn't check something from the jump. And that's what allowed the boy to think he could manipulate the syllabus where he could do what the heck he wanted to do, the way he wanted to do it, apart from the syllabus. See, that was the boy's course, not his mama's course. The mama had her own course to follow. See, you have to shut that stuff down. Once a person feels that they can bypass rules and regulations outlined in the syllabus, they think they can do it Whenever they want to. This is a sidebar that I'm really not going to get into. I'm just addressing it. I had a student do that to me. Tried to. Tried. This woman was married. Didn't like what I was telling her to do. Or what was outlined in the syllabus. She didn't like that she couldn't manipulate me. And do what she wanted to do. So... She sends her husband up to the school looking for me because he about to check me. Now, the course she was taking from me was an online course, so she had never seen me before. But I remember walking in the hallway, and I heard this man yelling. And I was like, man, something is really going on. What's going on? And this man was yelling and screaming, saying, Tell Bryant to come out. Tell Bryant to come out. <laughs> and the secretary was like, sir, you know, I'm trying to figure out who you're trying to see. And I'm listening to this. I said, man, whoever this Bryant is, something really going on. I wonder what's going on. And I'm walking up to the chaos because I'm trying to get into the faculty area because you have to use a key card and all of that and The door's open, but he's outside talking to the secretary, screaming and yelling. So I'm walking up, and he said, yeah, I want to speak to Bryant, a Kenneth Bryant. So the secretary puts it together like, oh, it's not a Kenneth. So I'm walking up. He said, where is he? Where is he? And she said, "There, there she is right there. So I turned, and I said, And all I have to say is that whole situation backfired on him. It backfired on the wife. I didn't even have to say a word and it backfired. The secretary was cracking up. Students in the hallway realized what really happened and why it backfired. They were laughing. And then the student, the girl, his wife, dropped the class. I know why it backfired, but had he had that interaction with me and followed through, I would have stopped that immediately because that's not his course. I wasn't disrespecting that woman. She was supposed to follow the course syllabus. She did not want to. So she used the resources available to her that she's been manipulating all this while to get what she wanted, which was her husband, And her goal and plan was to sick her husband on me to manipulate the syllabus. It didn't work. (laughs) It didn't work. It backfired quickly. It just, whatever plan they had, disintegrated right there. Now, I understand when a student is following the syllabus, they are doing what they're supposed to do. And the teacher or the professor, the instructor is not following up or following through with their end 
which is following the syllabus also to ensure that the student matriculates and gets what they need. Now I can see why a person sends their family to them or sends a loved one to them or they send somebody to go speak on their behalf. They need some type of support. I can understand that because I've gone through things like that where as a college student, my daddy had to come up to the school because of something a professor was doing and she was real vile with it. And I talked about that in one of those college success tips long ago. But he had to come up there to regulate some things, speak to some people, put some things in order, because it was a big mess that the professor was doing, and she also served as a dean. So she was getting away with this all this time with several students. But uh, that was not going to work with us. With me, with my family, it, it didn't work. And that lady, it was as if I uncovered a snake pit. That's how bad it was. Well, it was not like I really did uncover a snake pit, something that was hidden all this while. But I wasn't going for it, and that's what made the lady mad. But for the sake of this podcast episode and motivational aim, Stop Syllabus Manipulation, I'm referring to a student not manipulating the syllabus or the student should stop manipulating the syllabus. And going back to that example with that boy that my sister was referring to or she experienced in class, the fact that his mama came up to the school cursing people out, she shouldn't have had that type of pull. They shouldn't even given her that type of dignity to even engage in a conversation with her. But the fact that they let that go on, she knew what to do to get her way. And that was a mess. And that's how people get caught up. You have individuals distracting you from your life's course. They know their distraction. But since they don't want to be seen and identified as the distractor, they make it appear as if they support you in your life's course. They care about you in your life's course. But they're bringing you burgers. They're enticing you with distractions, knowing that you are about to matriculate, knowing you're trying to get to the next level. But they put these distractors in your life, taking your time, Taking your focus, taking your creativity, taking your discipline, and then they send you back out because they did their job. And then when the individual comes to complain about, I'm having trouble, they don't want to be seen as a distractor. They make it look like they're a hero, but they're the problem from the jump. They're the problem. And that's why I said the instructors in that situation... They should have shut her down because they don't even have to discuss that boy's work with his mama. And those professors had several syllabi to throw at her. They could have threw the syllabus of campus safety, campus disturbances, campus trespassing, campus violations, Yeah, they shouldn't have even entertained that woman. So when I heard that part of the story, when my sister was telling me stuff, I said, oh, no, something's going on deeper for this woman to feel that she has the authority and right to just come talk to some teachers. Absolutely crazy. Then my sister said that the boy would complain and manipulate the syllabus, as you already know. It'll be final exam time. And instead of taking the exams in the scheduled classrooms on the scheduled date for the scheduled professor, the boy would take his exams in the professor's office. See, that's an issue. The syllabus didn't state that. And that's why I said the teachers got themselves caught up because they allowed the syllabus to be manipulated And now they have to keep going along with it. Really, they don't have to. They could shut some stuff down. 
but it's some other stuff involved when people just don't get right back on track. And then my sister said that the boy, while he was doing all of this, had his mama cursing out people. He was eating burgers for hours at a time. He didn't do his work, didn't follow the syllabus, made it look like he was a tutor and a TA, made it look like he knew how to engineer phones and other models or whatever. She said the boy would come to class with full-on three-piece suits, double-breasted vest, fedoras, leather satchels. The boy was suited and booted for failure. He was dressed for no success. And then she said he would sit in the front row of every class, lying to himself. He was lying to himself, his mother, his suits, his satchels, and his fedoras, and his 3D models and designs. This boy thought he could manipulate the syllabus with his clothes, his burgers, his 3D models, his lies. And the sad thing is people do the very thing this boy did. They do it now. They do everything except what God's syllabus says, but they think, if I can just put these clothes on, I will get the results. If I just download this, I can get what I want. If I just go eat and engage in distractions during my life's course, God will understand. But did God say to do that? We already know nobody can manipulate God's word to make things happen the way they want them to happen. Now, somebody can go against God's word and get a counterfeit of what they think they want. But God's blessing is not on it. And as time goes by, they will realize that they have a bag full of curses. They will have a leather satchel full of problems that they picked up because they thought they could manipulate a syllabus. They were failing the course, but they wanted to do what they wanted to do. The only way that one can get back on track is they start following the syllabus right where they are. Now, they might have to retake the course or God will say you can't take that course the way that it was designed at first because you did X, Y, and Z, however he's going to do it. But praise God, he forgives us. But the aim is to take the course. The aim is to do or follow the course the way the course was designed for the student to follow. See, this is what happened with King Saul. And I know I addressed this in part three when King Saul didn't stay within the scope of the syllabus. But Saul tried to manipulate God's syllabus too. And let's review that passage of scripture again from the angle of this motivational aim. Stop syllabus manipulation. And I encourage you all to read 1 Samuel, the 15th chapter. But here's a quick recap of the scripture before I target in on the motivational aim of this passage. Stop manipulating the syllabus. Stop syllabus manipulation. Okay? So in 1 Samuel, the 15th chapter, the Lord, the divine instructor, gave Samuel the prophet, the divine teacher's assistant, some instructions for King Saul to follow as it related to sticking with the syllabus God told King Saul to go by. God told King Saul that he was going to make a nation pay for attacking his chosen people as he promoted them to the promised land he was leading them to. God was serious about King Saul following the syllabus he provided because the group of people who attacked God's children had to be repaid for messing with and interfering with God's chosen anointed ones. God told King Saul to go attack the nation that attacked the Israelites. God gave clear instructions and provided clear objectives for King Saul to follow as outlined in his syllabus. God told King Saul to go and attack the Amalekites. Then he said, destroy them and all their possessions. Don't have any pity on them. 
kill their men, women, children, and even their babies, slaughter their cattle, sheep, camels, and donkeys. That's what the divine instructor told Saul to do in his life's course. King Saul sent messengers out. Men joined his army for this upcoming attack. Saul organized the troops and led them to a valley near one of the towns in Amalek, where they were about to make their surprise attack. Saul attacked the Amalekites, and every Amalekite was killed except the king Agag. Saul did not follow all of God's instructions as outlined in the syllabus for his life's course. King Saul left the king of that nation alive. And then King Saul kept the best sheep and cattle because he didn't want to destroy anything of value in his eyesight. So Saul and the men who were under King Saul's leadership only killed the animals that were worthless or weak. And they did this based off their limited understanding. And you see what happened. Saul didn't stick to the syllabus God established for his life's course. Saul didn't stay within the scope of the syllabus. And then King Saul tried to manipulate the syllabus because when we jump to verse 12, it says that King Saul went to a place and built a monument so everyone would remember his victory. That is a major problem. There are some individuals who do the opposite from what God told them to do, and they know they did what God told them not to do. But rather than seek God's approval, they seek the approval for man. They seek praise for man. And then they'll even create situations where they put themselves in a position to receive praise and recognition so people can remember the wrong they did as if it was something right and honorable. That is manipulation. The manipulator is hoping people will remember the event the way they presented it or the way they promoted it. Although the event was detestable before the Lord, but they want to get enough people to see it from their angle, their vantage point. They want to get enough people to see the parade they put on. They want to get enough people to see the ceremony they created, hear the prayer they prayed as if it was a God-honoring event. But it was an event dishonoring God's command. That's all it was. And it was an event or a motive disrespecting God. So King Saul was trying to manipulate the syllabus. He didn't do what God said to do, but he wanted to be seen by onlookers as if he was a God-honoring, syllabus-abiding man. And he wasn't. And some people really think that if they can corner someone in a group they can make a person bow down to their agenda, even though their agenda is diabolical. It's a bullying tactic and a manipulation tactic. And it happens in several forms, but what King Saul did was wrong. And it was manipulation, and it still didn't work because no one can manipulate God or God's word. Remember what Proverbs, the 21st chapter in the 30th verse states, there is no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can succeed against the Lord. As you read 1 Samuel, the 15th chapter, you'll discover more ways King Saul tried to manipulate the syllabus. It's evident. You can see it when Saul saw the prophet Samuel and then Saul yells out to Samuel, I hope the Lord will bless you. I did what the Lord told me to do as outlined in the syllabus for life's course. See right there, that greeting to the prophet Samuel, God's teaching assistant, God's representative. Saul knew what he was doing when he yelled that out and he was trying to manipulate the atmosphere with flattery with fake praise, trying to lighten the mood, acting as if 
he was blessing someone with those words of praise and recognition because of their position and authority, all while Saul was living the way he wanted to live, doing what he wanted to do apart from God's syllabus. And Saul tried to manipulate the people. He tried to manipulate an event. And then he tried to manipulate his obedience in front of people also. See, a person can give people all of this fake praise, saying, oh, the Lord bless you. Oh, you're such a treasure in the Lord. God bless you. You're such a light. Yeah, all of that flattery will not manipulate God. That flattery will not manipulate God into changing his mind about what he commanded you to do and who he commanded you to listen to. Flattery doesn't work with God. God knows who he is and God knows the lies of flattery. And when he sees it, he hears it and comes in contact with someone who has it, all God does is break it. He breaks the flattery just like that. And he's done it countless times in scripture. And if we're honest, he's done it countless times in our lives where we tried to manipulate something. He let us know, ah, that's not going to work. I don't care what you say, what you're trying to do. You're going to do it my way. And going back to Saul, Saul tried to manipulate the syllabus with flattery so no one would examine his words. Here it is right here. This is Saul. I hope the Lord will bless you. I have done what the Lord told me. See, the first part of it is a flattery statement. I hope the Lord will bless you. Second part's a full-on lie. I've done what the Lord told me. Saul did not do what God told him to do. Samuel then responded with, if you did what the Lord told you to do, if you really followed the syllabus for your life's course, then why do I hear sheep and cattle? Remember, God told Saul to slaughter their cattle, sheep, camels, and donkeys. And for Samuel to hear sheep and cattle, something wasn't completed on that syllabus. An assignment was not complete. And then Saul responds to Samuel, blaming the army, stating the army took those sheep and cattle, they kept the best sheep and cattle, so they could sacrifice them to the Lord your God. Read it. For Saul to say, they kept the best sheep and cattle, so they could sacrifice them to the Lord your God. You see that? You see how he tried to manipulate Samuel in that sentence? What if Saul was hoping that Samuel would acquiesce to that response by telling Samuel, yeah, the reason you hear sheep and cattle is because the army kept them? And anyone who's aiming to follow God's syllabus wouldn't let that escape by, first of all. They just wouldn't do it. Anyone aiming to follow God's syllabus for their life's course, they're not trying to even go down that route. They don't want to do that. They're not trying to retake the course. And if this is their second or third time retaking the course, they really want to pass this time if they're serious. But for Saul to say they kept the best sheep and cattle so they could sacrifice them to the Lord your God, it lets us know that Saul wanted to do things his way. He thought something was best. He thought he could take advantage of a situation. He didn't want to follow the rules. And he wanted to carry out his plan according to his design and his desire. That's what he did. And then in that same sentence, he tried to manipulate Samuel again by stating, yeah, the army kept the best sheep and the cattle, so they could sacrifice them to the Lord, your God. You see, that's total disrespect. That's an attempt to manipulate by saying, okay, I kept the best so I could sacrifice them to the Lord. I kept what God told me not to keep so I could just give it to God. I want to give that to God. You know, you a prophet, let's sacrifice, offering. You understand? 
manipulation. That best, quote-unquote, what Saul was trying to offer and sacrifice to God, that wasn't Saul's best. Saul's best would have been following God's syllabus, doing what God told him to do the way he told him to do it, being obedient. That would have been Saul's best, obeying God. So you see how that was a full-on lie? That keeping the best so they could sacrifice them to the Lord your God. Anyone knows that back then and now, even now, when we make a sacrifice to the Lord and we make a sacrifice before the Lord, and this is stated all throughout Scripture, any passage of Scripture where somebody did not offer their best, when the Lord commanded them to give their best, there were serious consequences associated with that. And people know when they're giving God trash or when they're giving God their best. Just like you know when somebody's giving you trash or they're giving you their best. You know that. You know it. And when somebody gives you trash, stating and hollering that they're giving you the best is disrespectful. Like somebody giving somebody a gift, and when the person receives the gift, they see that the gift is used, is damaged, it has holes in it, it's dusty, and then they present it to you in a bag that looks like they dipped it in a sewer and allowed rats to nibble on it for an hour. Then they give it to you, and they say, here here you go. Do you like it? I know it's it's a little something. Yeah, it's it's a little something. It's trash is what it is. But they'll holler if you tell them, hey, man, this is trash. Where you get this trash from? Why you giving me this trash? (gasps) That's my best. That's a lie. It's not their best because if that's their best, From their head to their toe, they should look just like that, raggedy, wet, as if they just stepped out of a sewer. Their clothes should look like rats have been nibbling on their shirt, their pants, their socks, and their shoes. That's what they should look like. Nah, but they are put together. They are suited and booted. They look nice. They're pristine. They smell good. They take pride in their appearance. But they gave you something that was trash. Now, they made the sacrifice to put themselves together. But they didn't make the sacrifice to give you something where they thought about it and took the time and put it together to present it to you. Another example, somebody saying, yeah, I'll get you some food. I said this in the Boundary series, but I'll get you some food. I got you. And they bring you food, but it's their leftovers. And it's not even their leftovers. It's the leftovers from the company lunch that day. So they got a to-go plate and just put people's leftovers literally out of the trash can in a to-go box to get to you so you see sandwiches. Let's go with burgers since we talked about burgers today. So it's burgers with bite marks in them and juice stains on the bread. Bags of chips with nothing but crumbs and oil at the bottom. Cookie wrappers with no cookies in them. Ketchup packets with no ketchup. Just smeared residue of ketchup and mustard. Just a big mess, but they'll present it to you and say, this, that's my best, that's a lie. There was no sacrifice involved. So just thinking how it feels when you receive trash from people. God doesn't want trash. He wants our best, and he commands our best. He requires the best from us. If you hear anything in the background, it is raining. But I'm going to press forward and press through and wrap it up, okay? But 
going back to this sacrifice, God requires the best from us. We should never give anything to the Lord that is not our best. Now, when people made sacrifices during that time with Saul, the Lord required them to do or perform animal sacrifices. And God provided a syllabus for them to follow. And within that syllabus, it stated every requirement for an offering. And when you read Malachi, the first chapter in the eighth verse, it says, when you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? Isn't that wrong? And isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled and diseased? Try giving gifts like that to your governor and see how pleased he is, says the Lord Almighty. See, Saul knew the Lord requires the best animal sacrifices during that time. Just like we know, the Lord doesn't want a leftover sacrifice from us when we sow a seed. Saul knew the importance of giving God the best. So that is why he told Samuel that, or that could have been the reason that he told Samuel that. See, Samuel was a priest, a judge, a prophet, a seer, and a military leader. And Samuel knew all about sacrifices too, and he knew about the order of God. He knew that. And Samuel was following the syllabus designed for life's course too. So when Saul tried to manipulate Samuel, thinking, well, if I throw these flattering comments out here and this, that, and the other, then it'll go by. It'll work. But it didn't work with Samuel. Samuel told Saul, does the Lord really want sacrifices and offering? No, he doesn't want your sacrifices. He wants you to obey him. Rebelling against God or disobeying him because you are proud is just as bad as worshiping idols or asking them for advice. You refuse to do what God told you, so God decided that you can no longer be king. Now, y'all just heard that, and when you read it, you'll see it. But that's the whole series right there. Let me read that again. This is Samuel talking to Saul when Saul refused to do what God told him to do, when Saul didn't stay within the scope of the syllabus, when Saul tried to manipulate the syllabus. Samuel tells Saul, does the Lord really want sacrifices and offering? No, he doesn't want your sacrifices. He wants you to obey him, rebelling against God, or disobeying him because you are proud is just as bad as worshiping idols or asking them for advice. You refuse to do what God told you, so God decided that you can no longer be king. Samuel let Saul know you didn't follow the syllabus, you didn't stick to the syllabus, and you tried to manipulate the syllabus, and now you failed the course. You can't even retake this course, Saul. You've been kicked out. You don't receive a degree or certificate. You don't receive a sticker, no trophy, nothing. Just the memory of your previous position and the memory of you not following the syllabus and you trying to manipulate the syllabus. You see how an individual fails when they try to manipulate what God told them to do? It's serious. And you don't have to be a king to go through that. Whatever God is telling you to do in life's course, just do it. Don't give God what he didn't ask for. And this is kind of similar to what I expressed or shared in part one when I said some students don't follow the syllabus. They want to pull out stale candy from Halloween, mushed up Christmas candy, melted Easter candy, they want to pull out bread and bring recipes from family members thinking that that food or whatever they're bringing is acceptable and it's going to help them pass the course. What they're trying to do is use food to manipulate someone thinking that if I eat their food or take their food that I'm going to pass them when they didn't do the work. I don't 
take food from strangers. I mean, I thought we was all taught that long ago. I haven't stopped that practice. I haven't stopped. And as you grow, you start to see that candy is presented in different shapes, ways, and forms. Where people want you to take something so they can manipulate you. Now, if you are not following the syllabus for your life's course, designed and established by God, start following it today. Don't focus on the past and what you didn't do. Pick up the syllabus and start. Just start. The divine teacher is waiting, and he's ready to help you pass the course. Jumping back to Saul, Saul realized he couldn't manipulate the syllabus. And then he says, I've sinned. I've disobeyed both you and the Lord. I was afraid of the army, and I listened to them instead. Please forgive me and come back with me so I can worship the Lord. And then Saul tried to manipulate the syllabus again, just in that statement. Now, he acknowledged his wrongdoing, but he says, yeah, let's still sacrifice these things that the Lord told me not to in front of people so they won't know I didn't do what the syllabus said. And go ahead and forgive me, too, but I'm still going to try to do what I want to do apart from God. Do y'all see that? And have y'all experienced that? And have you done it? If you've done it, that's between you and God, but the aim is to stop doing it and just... Start following the syllabus. Go ahead and repent and run away from disobedience and just run towards God. Don't focus on people saying, remember you used to do what you wanted to do in your own syllabus. Remember that? Remember that? Don't focus on that. Don't even entertain those people. You just keep following what God told you to do. God will take care of them when you obey him. He'll shut those people up and shut them down. But the aim is to follow the syllabus. I need to follow the syllabus. We all need to follow the syllabus. And when you read 1 Samuel, the 15th chapter, you'll see also how Saul tried to get Samuel to co-sign with the disobedience. And he even tried to manipulate Samuel some more. And Samuel let him know, you will not manipulate God's syllabus and you won't manipulate me. You cannot do that. You're not doing that. It's unacceptable. The aim is to not operate in pride because when a person is full of pride doing what they want to do and rejecting God and rejecting God's representatives and then they reject every warning sent to them to help them, when these individuals reject all of that and they still manipulate what they want to manipulate, they're messing themselves up because they have a teacher to guide them. They have the resources to assist them. They have the tutors. They have the friends and family who've taken the class. And even if they are a pioneer in that area in their life's course, the Lord will have the resources and support available for their success. But when a person rejects all of that and they operate in pride, and they don't want to do the work, but they rather put in more work to manipulate what the syllabus states, it costs them something. It will cost them what they thought they had, and it will sometimes cost their relationships, their connections, their opportunities, their health, their benefits, all because they wanted to do what they wanted to do, not understanding that what they wanted to do is not God's best for them. God's trying to get them to another level. He's trying to elevate them to another degree of life. But they stop it. They stop it because they're trying to manipulate something. That's why it's important to stop manipulating the syllabus. It doesn't work. It doesn't work in the natural, physical realm, and it doesn't work in the spiritual realm. I don't care what people are trying to show you and present to you as if you'll achieve success if you disobey God. No, you will not. I will not. It won't happen. It might appear as if one is successful and their efforts of manipulation are yielding promising results. But in the grand scheme of it all, they are going through hell on earth. They're going through hell. No peace. 
no joy, just a full-on front. Fake smiles, fake posts, just to throw some people off. They might go to some events, dress up real nice, but they're going through hell. It's hell. It is hell when we dismiss, reject, and disconnect from the divine instructor and his syllabus. There's no good when we purposefully aim to manipulate God. The aim is to stick to the syllabus. Do what God says, even if you don't understand, just obey God, trust God, aim towards your God-honoring targets of following God's commands for your life's course as outlined in his syllabus, the word of God, okay? A scripture I would like to review with you once more is Proverbs, the 21st chapter in the 30th verse, and it states, there is no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can succeed against the Lord. And I want to leave you with one more, okay? And that is 1 Samuel, the 15th chapter in the 22nd verse, and it states, Does the Lord really want sacrifices and offerings? No. He doesn't want your sacrifices. He wants you to obey Him. Rebelling against God or disobeying Him because you are proud is just as bad as worshiping idols or asking them for advice. You refused to do what God told you, so God decided that you can no longer be king. Thank you all for tuning in. Feel free to visit my website, drkenitrabryant.com. Enjoy y'all's day. Remain encouraged. Peace and God bless.